Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we look at Governor Newsom's proposal for a gas tax rebate to deal with rising gas prices and other key takeaways from last night's State of the State address. Then, award-winning chef, food science guru, and online cooking show host Kenji Lopez-Alt has a new book all about just one pan, The Wok. We'll find out what made him devote 600 pages to recipes and techniques using this simple, versatile cookware and what it says about this stage in his career. Join us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. In a State of the State speech last night that lasted less than 18 minutes, Governor Gavin Newsom mentioned rising gas prices and homelessness. He used the attack on Ukraine to underscore the importance of democracy and praise California's version of it. California does democracy like nowhere else in the world. No other place offers opportunity to so many from so many different backgrounds. But we can't take democracy for granted. Authoritarian and illiberal impulses aren't just rising overseas. They've been echoing here at home for some time. Joining me now to take a closer look at what Newsom said in his speech is KQED politics correspondent and co-host of Political Breakdown, Marisa Lagos. Hi, Marisa. Hey, Mina. Nice to be on air with you. Yeah, I know. Glad <laughs> to be on with you as well. And uh, I appreciated reading your write-up of the speech where you mentioned that Newsom used the world events and the geopolitical uncertainty that they create to explain in part rising gas pump prices, which of course are top of mind for Californians. So talk about his gas tax rebate plan and what that would do. 
Yeah, I mean, I think first it's just notable, like you're mentioning that he started the speech in large part in Ukraine, right? This is a California speech. He is not the president of the United States. But just like Joe Biden a few weeks ago, he kind of, I'm assuming, had to scratch out the top of the speech as things got really, um, you know, tense. And unfortunately, we watched Russia invade. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it's the the fallout of that, right? It's it's these gas prices we're feeling. It's the uncertainty. I mean, he also mentioned this idea that um, what he called authoritarian and illiberal impulses are not just rising overseas, um, that they've been echoing here at home for some time, and, yeah. and that people are, you know, trying to exploit those separations. So what he was trying to do, I think, with this, I mean, there's a political sort of benefit of offering to send money back to people we can get into that but also to kind of at least paint a picture of a california that's not as divided as the rest of the nation and that is sort of trying to work together in a civil way to 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 find solutions um and we don't know a ton, Mina, about the details of this tax rebate. Uh, this is not a gas tax um, holiday, which is something that's been discussed in Congress and elsewhere. I think folks like Newsom are worried that, and, and I've heard the Speaker Pelosi told me just a week ago, that, you know, doing that does not necessarily have the impact that you would hope on a consumer's uh, bottom line because gas companies can do whatever they want with prices. So, what we know is that in May, when the, the governor unveils his revised budget, he's going to ask the legislature to essentially include some sort of tax rebate that would go, it sounds like, to people who own cars that would not be limited to citizens. It would include undocumented immigrants, but it would be limited to California residents. Um, and, you know, I think that that's interesting. He tried to pair that with this idea that, like, we're not giving up on climate change. We're still a leader in that. We have right. to get away from sort of our reliance on oil in part pointing to Russia is an example of why. Um, but I do think that folks, you know, in the climate justice community, climate change community are are frustrated because like this feels like an incentive to them probably to, to keep driving more. Uh, yes, though so he did resist calls, as you say, to expand local oil production. Absolutely. And he's really cracked down on that and, and made, um, you know, a bit of an enemy of the oil industry, I think. Newsom also touted the care court for Californians with severe mental illness or addiction. Can you remind us what that is? Right. So this is another idea that um, we're, you know, we're going to be seeing more details in his May budget revise around. But uh, the sense is that, you know, there are a lot of folks around California on our streets um, or maybe even in housing, but who are visible on the streets who are so severely mentally ill or drug addicted that they really can't make correct decisions for themselves. And, you know, in the past, uh, Newsom and others have tried to go, go um, the conservatorship route where you actually take somebody's, you know, legal rights away from them and, and appoint somebody to oversee them. This to me seems like a sort of um, conservatorship light, if you want to call it that. It would essentially give county courts monies to create a new track within the court so that people, whether it be a family member, an outreach worker, or if somebody is in trouble with the law, you know, the criminal justice system can actually come to that court and say, look, this is a person who needs uh, help. We're not going to kind of take away all their rights, but we are going to, you know, maybe force them into treatment or housing for a certain amount of time. Um, and one thing that really interested me that I'm, I'm going to be watching as this gets fleshed out, because 
because you do have concern from civil liberties advocates and others, is this idea that because it would be a court process, they would actually have a public defender, the person um, being forced into the court. And mm. I think that that kind of advocacy could be powerful. Um, I think the question becomes, you know, is there going to be the amount of treatment we need or housing, um, other resources beyond just getting those courts up and running, which, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, I said there's concern from the civil liberties community, but I think in general beyond that, there's actually a lot of agreement that, that something needs, something needs to be done and something needs to be tried. I've heard Republicans say that they're open to this. I've heard law enforcement, you know, counties, some Democrats. So, um, it'll be, I think one of those, you know, less, maybe to Newsom's original point, less polarized debates in the sense of it won't be just a partisan, mm-hmm. um, conversation. Well, as you allude to people who would use care court, many of whom will likely be experiencing homelessness. Do you think the way that he addressed homelessness in his speech last night was effective? Um, well, I think we should start with whether people are listening, which he said at the top, they probably weren't. <laughs> I mean, it was like kind of nice to hear that because I often think this is a political reporter. I'm like, you know, and it's my job. I can tell you all what he said. But I mean, at the top, I just got to quote this. Mina. given the state of our world, I don't imagine there are many people outside these walls waiting on the words that will be said here tonight. Um, so a little bit of uh, <laughs> quite the admission. Yes. Yeah. For something that is supposed to be a governor's big press moment. But yes, <laughs> I mean, you know, I think that this was a very we, we didn't talk about this yet but this was for Newsom a very brief speech it clocked in at less than 18 minutes right. this is a guy who has been known to hold a press conference for you know more than two hours when he was mayor in San Francisco he gave an eight hour state of the state address that posted in different sections on YouTube um, so it was short so I didn't hear a lot here around homelessness that was like you know, that new, he, he did roll out this care court thing about a week ago. So we already knew about it. I mean, he, you know, he talked about what the successes the state has have moving a right. record 58,000 people off the streets since the pandemic began. But he knows, and he said in the speech that it's not enough and it's not what people see when they look outside. And, um, I, I did think, um, you know, his political hero, he talks about a lot is Bobby Kennedy, um, who was of course assassinated in California. And he, you know, he quote, he, he sort of, uh, paraphrase him saying that, you know, the health of a society depends on our ability to people to walk on their own streets and safety. So I, I think that he's also trying to give a nod to the idea that people are concerned about crime and, and public safety, um, that he doesn't think that, you know, his critics are right, that we should then roll back all the reforms or, you know, start locking people up in even greater numbers. But that there is a connection between how people feel about what they see on the streets and then how safe they feel. And I do think that that's an important thing. I think that's going to be one thing I'll be watching this year as we get into the midterms is like, how can Democrats try to craft that message so that they it doesn't feel like they're dismissing people's fears um, and that there isn't a huge rollback of a lot of the policies that they've really supported around criminal justice and policing. Yeah, but I think you're right. What he did was sort of acknowledge anxiety over Mm -hmm. crime. What he did was sort of a nod to the fact that people are concerned about homelessness worsening and so on. But uh, Republicans' frustration with the speech, for example, was the fact that they felt like, great, you're acknowledging these things, but we're not necessarily hearing plans or specifics, though I don't know that state of the states are so good at providing those things anyway. But I guess the bigger question is, 
What is this speech a reflection of? This short, relatively more upbeat, of course, uh, than in recent years, understandably, given what Democrats also want to project related to turning the tide on COVID. But what do you think it's a re reflection of with regard to, is it his standing politically that he's feeling pretty good about? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, some of it is probably logistics. I think he pr got a lot more stations to carry this alive by doing it the five o'clock hour and promising them ahead of time that it would be short, right? Because often these are middle of the day speeches. It's not a time when people can watch them. They go on forever. It's hard to book if you're a TV station. So I think part of it was likely that, um, you know, he came out of a the recall attempt last year, very strong. It was not even close. And I think that Newsom is headed into his reelection strong. And yet, you know, the strength of Democrats, the strength of the policies he's pushed forward um, may not be as like reflected in the numbers, you know, of the recall. And so I do think that this is, um, and, and I don't know, I guess I really kind of like, I don't want to like dwell on this like idea that like no one cares, but I think he was sort of acknowledging like the world is really crazy right now. And this is not like what I say about it. You know, it, I think during COVID, we were all sort of waiting with bated breath because the governor had a lot of power. Newsom has no control over what's happening in Ukraine. Right. And so it, in a way to me, it was sort of acknowledgement of that and just a sort of marker to say, Hey, these are still my priorities. I mean, I think talking to his office even prior to last night, there's a sense that they feel like there's a lot of groundwork that was laid around various areas, around expanding early childhood education, around some of the homeless policies and, yes. and programs that that were laid out during the pandemic and are still, you know, undergoing and that some of his job this year is to sell them, to show that even if you don't feel it yet, we are doing something that is new and um, in his mind, sort of bold and innovative. And so some of this, like maybe in a way that was the point of the speech, Mina, is that he wasn't rolling out 50 new initiatives that we were all kind of like grabbing, like, like, you know, shiny objects that he was like, look, this is my agenda. It's still my agenda. Can you guys talk about my agenda? Right. So, yes, he promised it would be short. Yes, he's trying to show the successes of things he's already introduced. But was there anything that you felt he missed that he didn't acknowledge that either struck you or you felt he should? Like, I don't know, the drought? Maybe? The drought? Yeah, I think that's a big one. <laughs> um, you know, sure, the drought. I mean, you could pick it apart. He is the governor, the leader of the fifth largest economy in the world if we were a nation, right? I mean, I, I, I'm not here to just like defend Newsom, but <laughs> I do think that it's hard because being governor of the state is kind of like careening from crisis to crisis. And like whatever you do in these situations, there's going to be critics. So yes, I think it was sort of shocking. We didn't hear more about drought, although he did talk about wild, you know, wildfires and climate change, which is obviously related. Um, I think it's not, it's not shocking that he didn't want to talk about the problems at employ at the employment development department mm -hmm. though. Um, so yeah, there's always more, but I think, uh, for, you know, I'm glad it was only 18 minutes long personally. <laughs> <laughs> Marisa Lagos, politics correspondent for KQED, co-host of KQED's Political Breakdown. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. And we'll have more forum after the break. We'll switch gears and start talking about food. So stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.